Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Don't forget, you can follow her on Facebook at The Greyhound Girl. On this episode of the podcast, I catch up with South Australian breeder and owner Nick Lally, whose little charge Kenya exclusive, who's trained by Michelle and Mick Lill, took out last week's Group 3 Casino Cup in very impressive fashion. We also spoke about what it was like winning the Group 1 Adelaide Cup with Buzz Junkie last year at Massive Odds, and of course some helpful advice for anyone looking to become a greyhound owner and breeder. I hope you enjoy this episode. Obviously, we'll we'll rewind back to to last Friday. Um, your second group victory. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, you obviously won the the Group One Adelaide Cup. Um, at very big odds. What was that? That was last year with Buzz Junkie, and now you've taken out the Group Three Casino Cup with Little Kenya Exclusive. Um, yeah. Can you just sort of run through? Firstly, tell me. Um, you know, how were you feeling going into the race? I mean, box six is is never easy, but especially a track like Casino, it's not easy to to um you know navigate from but yeah how were you feeling going into it and then obviously you must have been ecstatic getting the win oh yeah it was uh it's it's a dream come true just being you know being involved in these feature races um you know his heat win was super he he'd had to do it the hard way so we knew on the clock the clock wasn't gonna the clock didn't say that you know he'd you know, he'd done it easy, but we knew that there was still a, little, a lot of petrol tickets left in the tank. And, um, you know, like Casino, that kind of track where you pretty much just got to put yourself in there early and it's kind of like the leader's track, especially on a Casino Cup where they're out running time in front. It's pretty hard to uh, to run them down. So, well, I mean, we drew six uh, at the end of the day. You know, there's only that 2.7 seconds, whatever it is, to, to the first marker. So... You're going to have to be on your A game when those lids open, which he kind of wasn't uh, on uh, Cup Day, but he's just got that unbelievable turn of foot where even if he kind of misses at half a stride, he can really just muster up straight to the lead. And he pretty much mirrored exactly what he did uh, from the heat and kind of done it the hard way, but got across and checked the five and he was he found himself three or four lengths in front and... I thought, oh, my God, this is a buzz junkie situation again. I found myself in front. And, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to. Uh, it was only 484 metres where I had my heart in my, in my mouth, not 530 like Angle Park. <laughs> <laughs> and not, um, not at 50 to 1. Or, no, I think he was uh, more than that, wasn't he? Yeah, he was about 60s or 70s. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, little Luca was only, I think they put him up six bucks and, yeah, I, I took, stayed, I took some of that. <laughs> yeah, I, all my mates took some of that. They just thought, well, if you're going to do a buzzy again, we're getting on. We're not going to miss out this time. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> smart friends, smart friends. Yeah. And was that um, was that Mick and Michelle Lil, of course, who trained him? Was that their first group win? I think they had a group three with more sauce. Oh, right. Yeah, they – oh, Goulburn? Is it Goulburn yeah. or maybe uh, – did they win a – uh, the gardens. I'm pretty sure they won a group. Was it the group three at the gardens? Yeah, I know possibly. Group, I know they've got a group. I think they've got a group three with yeah more sauce. Yeah, so they yeah. were they were wrapped. <laughs> yeah, was crying. Mick rang me up. He had tears. Oh, lovely. Tearing up. Uh, just the journey, Dim, that we've had with him. I mean, you know, I spoke to you. Oh, I reckon 
this time last year and um you know you were talking about you know my team with myself and we were talking about can you exclusive and he'd knocked up 10 in a row in Perth with Stevie with us who you know at the end of the day I, I can't thank Steve enough for everything he's done with the dog and did with the dog he wouldn't be the dog he was without you know his pre-training and and you know having those race starts with him um yeah uh, and yeah, he, he uh, ran in the birthday cup heats at Jan- in January this year and uh, looking for 11 straight, which, you know, it'd be it's hard enough winning probably three or four in a row, you know, owning a dog. So for him to do 10 straight and going into a heat of a feature um, and then, you know, pulling up lame after the, after the race and after that, it was a bit of a downhill uh, struggle um, getting yeah. him back. He had, he had stopper and hock issues. Um, you know, Steve did everything he could. He had, you know, he had the time off, he had the rehabilitation, and uh, we thought we had him at one stage coming back, and he ended up pulling up sore again. And it was just, it uh, come to me. I, I just thought to myself, um, I don't want to do nothing wrong by the dog. Um, dog comes first, health, and you know, next phase of life, whether it be a pet, he's such a beautiful animal, got an awesome temperament. So I didn't want to, you know, persist if. Um, you know, he was showing signs that nah, he'd had enough with this injury. And um, I almost got to that stage where I, I did look at doing that. But it, Steve advised me, he said, mate, why don't you, you know, give him give him a go with Michelle or Michael, see how they, they might do things differently. Um, and, you know, I got on to the phone to Michael and just explained the situation. Because at the end of the day, I'd never take a dog off, off a trainer if, you know, um, Steve was the one that said to me, you know, I, I didn't want to, I was, you know, you know if, if he kept going, I, I'd rather him, you know, stay with Steve because Steve done such a fantastic job. But Steve did say, just give him a go with Michelle and Michael and see what they can do. So they took him to the vets, to Dr. Johnny Neal, who they use, a um, bit of a greyhound guru. And yep. um, it was a couple of, yeah, expensive treatments that um, that we uh, we used and, and did and, um, yeah, we started him off at the Richmond Strait and um, he won that convincingly and um, ever since then he's just continues to tick all the boxes and, yeah, touch wood, he just stays sound because he's a really, really fast animal, so, yeah. Yep. he come out and run 17.39 in his, um, his first, like, a official race start at at Richmond Strait, and yeah, what were you guys sort of thinking then? You must have been thinking, oh, like obviously I know he, he had to be tested around the circle after that, but you must have thought, oh, Jesus, this is um, this is looking pretty good. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, uh, there was a lot of days and nights where you know they were constantly in the ice, like you know he was in the ice bath. Michelle done and Michael done a lot of work, you know, just trying to get him to the track uh, yeah. with all those treatments also, and yeah, there was. Mick and Michelle's idea just to start him up the straight. It was good. Richmond's right next door, not far from where they are. So it gave us that option. And I, even if I, even if he finished racing his career up the straight, it wouldn't have mattered to me. Like, I, I was just happy just to see the dog race again. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, he came out and he blew that field away. So that was, that was a bonus. They gave him box one, which helped. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it was... Pretty much onto the onto the big country tracks, you know, the one turn and a couple of the two turn tracks, where he, he uh, done a little bit more work. And you know, I was on the phone to Michael pretty much, 
you know, every time after his trial, how'd he pull up, how'd he pull up? And he was just ticking all the boxes. And, yeah, he had his, I think his next race start was at Goulburn over the 350. Um, he was in that Cannonball series and he slipped off the mat and kind of got dragged back a little bit. And, you know, hey, that's Greyhound racing. And, he, you know, that happens. And he had a race after that where he'd, he'd run 1950. He won by about 10 lengths, and I just thought, oh, we might be back here. <laughs> yeah. I was just touching, touch yeah, just praying to touch wood. And, um, and then Michael goes, mate, I think we're going to give him a crack at the Casino Cup. You know, grass, uh, it's not a very strong 484. It's a bit of a leader's track. And I said, yep, no worries, guys. You do what you, what you think's right. And he had a couple of trials there and went super and, yeah, he found himself in the in the final, and and obviously he won it. So it's just been a, just a massive roller coaster. But yeah, just so happy that he's he's back firing, and yeah, he's just gone a little bit over two and a half. So there's still plenty of racing to come. Yep, and the next target is going to be heats of the Maitland Cup this Friday night. Yep, here uh, himself and little Kenya Smurfette will go into those heats. So hopefully we we draw well and. And they run well, and we'll see. Hopefully, uh, we can make another final. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I know Kenya Smurfette's only tiny at, you know, sort of just over, you know, she's probably around the 24 and a half kilos, but he's not much bigger either. He barely ticks over the 28 kilos, and he could easily be mistaken for a bitch, but he is, in fact, a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, even my mates say to me, they go, oh, how, how big is he? I say, oh, he's only 28 and a half kilos, <laughs> but he, he looks every bit bigger than that on TV. Like, you wouldn't think he's. He said, like, Michael says, oh, I haven't seen him in person yet. I'm going to get down to hopefully, if he does make the Maitland Cup final, I'll probably look at, at getting down there and, and, and seeing him. But Michael thinks he's, like, oh, well, he is very, very long. Um, and, you know, so, it, hey, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how, how much they weigh, how big they are, how small they are. He's, he's just got a big, big heart, you know, just yeah. the willingness to want to win. Yep. He reminds me a lot of um, a dog I've had the pleasure of catching a couple of times. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's retired now. We haven't seen him for for a few weeks now. A little dog by the name of Connections. He was a, around the 27 kilos. And honestly, when yep. I caught him, you know, where, where's the small rug? You would think he was a girl. He's just so little. <laughs> but, you know, would run the hands off the clock, you know, just just all hard and I said yeah sometimes people you know sometimes I've seen them shy away a little bit from the smaller dogs but um yeah smaller male dogs I, I should be more specific but you know I think you know connections along with your fella just prove that you know if they've got the heart and the willingness it doesn't matter how how small they are in um in weight definitely and that like especially like connections who I've seen race you know pretty much through my grey um owning career and, and, and little Luca, like they just, they just want to win. They've just got that ability, what it is. They just love chasing and they're just winners. Like they do anything they can to win, which, you know, is just, you know, it's just one of those things that is such a great attribute to have in a greyhound. Did you pick him out as a puppy? Was he small when you first brought him? Yeah, he was. Um, I spoke to my breeders and they said, oh, there's not much of him. He's only 28, 28 and a half kilos. And I thought, yeah, that's right. Oh, well, um, we're going to be sending him to Perth anyway. I, I'd spoken to Steve and you know, that Mandurah, hopefully, you know, to the man, like the prize money over there. I just thought, you know, why not? I'll just give it a go. Hope, you know, he'd been, 
he broke in good. Um, he pre pre trained with them good, so hopefully I just thought to myself he'd go on with it. And I didn't expect to be what he is today. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's it's just like it's a good lesson for people not to shy away. You know, sometimes I say, "Oh, the runt of the litter." It, it's probably you know a, a good reason for people not to be scared, especially if it yep. is the last one left, not to shy away if they are a bit you know on the smaller side. Well, he, he, I think he was the fastest in the litter, so that helped. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He, so there you well, go. He, bro- he, he broke in the quickest, so um, you know that always helps, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm just extremely thankful just for everyone involved, really. Like, like I keep like saying, Steve and Michelle, and Michael for doing what they can, and and yeah, Dr. Johnny Neal just. He's just worked wonders with the dog, getting him back to the track. So, yeah, that's a good, good team, good yeah. team operation. Exactly, and you know, talking to you know most people that you know as have been in a similar situation where they've had a dog that struggled with injuries. That yeah, it's very much a team effort. You can't sort of do it on your own, and you know, you know. The dog could be sitting on the couch if you hadn't at least had a, a crack with him and, you know, you wouldn't be sitting here with a casino cup. So it just, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, good things happen. And I, I reckon he, he won because he used him last week. He said, well, Kenya Exclusive's <laughs> going to win the casino cup and then you're going to come... You're going to come on a, another podcast with me. And I said, all right, I'll take that deal. <laughs> Honestly, it was uh, straight away, like, you know, just for anyone that um, was listening, like I said, oh, you know, I was originally going to get you to come on the stir up. But like I said to you before, dad's sort of back on the drink and that sort of went by the wayside. But um, anyway, um, yeah, and I said to you, oh, you know, come on the podcast. I said, you know, hopefully we're chatting about your casino cup win and that sort of thing. And when after I said it to you, I'm like, oh, God, I hope I'm not putting the mocker on him by saying that. But after it happened, I'm like, no, I knew what I was talking about. It's all good. You might have to get you might have to get into the game of uh, future reading. Yeah, getting out of the greyhounds, you make more money the other way. I'll um I'll probably get a couple of people messaging me going, listen, can you tell me that I'm coming on your podcast so I can win? <laughs> that has happened before. So anyway, um, speaking of your other dogs, and I I apologise, I didn't even realise this, but you own a dog called Longhaul, who I've posted about a couple of times in recent weeks, who gave young Kia Hurley based a trainer based in South Australia not only her first Sandow win, but her first Meadows winner, and he's absolutely on fire at the moment. Oh, he is going super. Um, we bought him from Victoria, and. Um, like you look back on his runs in Victoria, you knew he had he had a lot of early speed. Like he was leading most races early on, and I just thought thought to myself, you know what, he might be a good SA dog here. Like we've got that Murray Bridge three ninety five and four fifty, you know, like that one turn tracks, which he, where he was going, he, and he could run five hundred because he I think he ran about thirty ninety at Ballarat, which is going pretty good over that five forty five. So we, uh, you know, we thought, why not have a go and. Wow, hasn't he just gone from strength to strength? Like, yeah, just unbelievable what he's, um, how much improvement he's, uh, as soon as he's got here. Like, yep. he's just, just another, I think he's a bit like Kenya Exclusive, where he's just a brilliant box dog. He's got that brilliant early speed and he kind of breaks their hearts early, which is, you know, crucial to have in this game. Like, you know, leading is nine times out of ten, you know, you're, you're the result into winning. So but he's been he's been super. Um Yeah. Yeah, we've we we've been wrapped with him. 
Yeah, he's put together, um, you know, just for anyone that isn't aware, he's put together four straight wins now. Run a 29.45 at Sandown, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. And what is it with you and making people cry? Because I know Kia has been crying over, you know, not notching up her first Victoria Metro wins. You've made Michelle and Mick cry. Like, you're just a crier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's good seeing success on the trainers, you know. Like, the trainers do... Oh you know, hours and hours of, of work and, you know, it's literally start of the morning to the end of the night. Like, there's no rest for the wicked. Like, they do, well, just, it's just crazy. Like, and they deserve all the success and all the, the accolades for when the dog wins. And, yeah, no, I'm happy for them all. Every, every trainer, like, you know, I built that trust with every trainer and, and just want to see them just, you know, go leaps and bounds and just, you know, have that success. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's definitely not easy. And I, you know, sometimes you see on social media and that sort of thing, trainers getting messages of people bagging them out and bagging their dogs out. But, you know, you've only got to go and spend even just half a day with someone, um, you know, to realise the, the effort that goes in and, yeah, the amount of hours you've got to spend outside and in the kennels and travelling and, you know, at the vets and picking up stuff and all the rest of it. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it. It, it is so much work and I like I didn't realize until obviously I got involved with my current partner and I said holy Jesus this is a lot of work and he's like yeah he said it, it never stops and you know no wonder people appreciate you know the wins and especially winning those big races because yeah you're right the effort that goes in is just oh I, I couldn't do it I'm happy just being an assistant but there's no way I could do it full time yeah, <laughs> yeah well uh, I mean like Kia's, uh, well, Kia and, and Justin, they had to travel from South Australia to Victoria. So, you know, leaving at 6, 6.30 in the morning, getting there for Kennel, and then they've got to do, you know, the 8-hour, eight 8-hour eight drive home. Yep. Michelle Michelle just went, I think it was about four, four and a half hours, just to trial exclusive in Smurfette, um, you know, for their casino, to give them a look around casino before their heat. So it's not just, you know, rocking up to the races, having all the glory, like that's just, the little little side of things, you know, like it's that stuff during the week of, you know, waking up at four or five o'clock, like emptying the dogs four or five times a day. Like, yep. you know, that's all the stuff where behind closed doors where no one sees and like as an owner, like you, you learn to appreciate like how much work's actually involved and yeah, you take it, take it for granted a little bit at times. Yep. Yep, no, definitely, especially people that, you know, haven't been involved. It, um, yeah, it, it is a lot of work and, yeah, sometimes I feel like saying, listen, go easy on them because it's not, yeah, it's not, like you said, it's not just a matter of just rocking up the track and racing your dog and going home. It's all the rest of the stuff that, um, yeah, that goes involved as well. Um, tell me about some of your other chases that you've got going around. Obviously, you know, we, we know that well, most people would recognise the, the Kenya prefix and that you've got a few of them, but you've got a handy little handy little one called Bad Move that's been going well in South Australia as well. Yeah, going awesome um, with uh, Tracy Price down there in uh, Mount Gambier. Uh, she's, I think she won um, the Cannonball Series over there, over the 305. Um, she's another one that's just, she's got that early speed. She just puts herself in races and, um, you know, she's been fantastic. Uh, bought her off Jack Smith. Oh yeah. Um, yep. from, yeah, from New South Wales. And he said that she was going to, she'd be a handy bitch. And yeah, um, she's, uh, she's become, oh, she's notched up, I think eight to 10 wins with myself and, you know, 
in excess of 25, 30 grand, and she's not even two and a half. So, yeah, she's going super. Yep. Just divulging into that side of it a little bit more because, you know, you've, you've mentioned a few times now that, you know, you've you bought certain dogs, um, you know, some that have already been racing. Just for anyone out there that, you know, may be interested or sort of looking around for, you know, a race dog that they can either train themselves or give to someone else, what do you – is there anything, any particular characteristics or, or something you look for in particular when you are scouting for, for a race dog? Um, I mean, it's just, I guess, knowing the right people. Um, that you know sell dogs for a living um you know they, they they have good results you know whether it be training or as an owner um you know like my breeders with that Kenya prefix whenever there's a smart one there they always give a holler and, and say you know we've we've got this for sale and and you know like you know you're going to be fine something that's genuine you know you hear these bad stories of purchasing greyhounds I, I've been I've been burned a couple of times in my early you know, career of um, being an owner and you live and you learn from those and um, you, uh, yeah, it's more just um, just the people you know, the, like the relationships that you build and, like, you know, even like with my trainers, like, they, you know, they hear of dogs that come up for sale and they're always, you know, letting me know that there's a dog for sale and then I'll just have a look and yep. have a look at its form and and you, you try and pick and choose where, where you send it to, I guess, and... Um, to be successful so yep yep I always say to people you know I said just because a a dog isn't sort of being advertised for sale doesn't necessarily mean someone's not keen and I said you know what's the worst they could say no I said all you got to do is you know have a chat to them or message them or something and I said you know even if it's a case of them saying oh listen if you've got something else um that comes through your kennels that you're keen to sell or or offload or whatever um you know can you just keep me in mind and you know that can easily start a, a very long and successful relationship yeah definitely uh, i mean i've had numerous examples of that where you know i've tried to buy a dog and um hasn't been for sale or you know the price like, we didn't agree on you know whether it be price or or whatever and and you just you just let them know if something else comes up um you know with that type of ability that you're looking for or that price range um you know to keep you in the loop and nine times out of ten they'll message you down the back and you know just say hey i've got this one up for sale you know does that suit you and yeah it's all about building relationships and and you know um broadening your your contacts in the game kind of thing Yep. Have you found that sort of being patient in that area as well helps? Like I, I know I get some people sometimes they're like, oh, I've messaged this person and this person and this one and that. And I, you know, I said, look, I understand that, you know, you're keen to get a dog right now, but sometimes I think with prize money the way it is, and you would understand this, sometimes it people want a lot of money to let dogs go and 100% I get that because prize money is so good. But yeah, I think sometimes if you're a little bit patient, um, it can help rather than, you know, no offence, just going and wasting money on, on a dog just because you want one right now. Yeah, well, I mean, we race, I race with a group of mates and at the start, everyone just wanted to get as many dogs as, as we could, you know, <laughs> like it was just, you just wanted to be racing, like, yeah. you, you know, get down to the track and just, you know, have a couple of beers and watch them go around. The more that go around, the better, you know, like, and, you know, we made, uh, we made a couple of mistakes and, and, you know, just being super keen and now you know it's more a fact where we just sit back and we wait and 
if something comes up, uh, you know, we're, you know, we'll talk about it, and everyone's, you know, nine times out of ten, they're they're happy to go again, kind of thing. So yeah, I've we. I'll be the first to put my hand up and say, yeah, we've we made a couple of blunders at the start. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone has. Don't worry, you're not some. You're certainly not alone there. Um, switching to the other side of it, um, the breeding side of it. How many litters do you roughly um, get involved with breeding each year? Um, I've only had my first litter, which went to the breakers. Um, that um, that got bred in in SA and. They're now getting pre-trained um, and they're doing all the right things, so that's great. Uh, yep. They're all looks like they're, they're going. The whole litter is going to make it to the track, which is a bonus. You don't have to worry about giving giving them away or or, or gapping some. So that's yep. a bonus. Uh, I've got four broodies, uh, which I'm kind of waiting for them to come on season. Uh, one of them's just come on uh, just last week, so that's super exciting. Um, when I look to, to breed with her. So, yeah, to answer your question, I've got two, well, one one happening at the moment and then, yeah, one in the phase of um, going to happen. And then, yeah, I've got a, a couple of broodies uh, that are just obviously waiting for, I'm waiting for them to come on season. But, yeah, the first one, uh, which is Nangar Mia, um, her litter uh, is about to hit the track soon. Uh, well, actually, one of them already raced. He, uh, she raced at Albion Park with uh, Johnny Dart, and she won on debut in twenty two eighty over the three ninety five. So that's going super. Yep. Um. I'm, yeah. I I bought her as a broody. Well, she was still three, just uh, just turned three years old, and I bought her off Andy Lord. And Andy said to me, "Mate, whatever you do with her, like you race her and do whatever, but you please make sure you breed with with this." Uh, bitch, she's got fantastic lines. Part of that Dennis Barnes lines, and yep. um, when you you listen to people like Andy Lord, because there's probably no probably person better in the game than than himself. And uh, it's I put her to Zambora Brocky, um, and it looks like um, Andy hasn't let me down with that. Cause, uh, <laughs> All, all their pups are uh, going good, so yeah, I yep. owe that one to Andy, I think. <laughs> yep, yep, no, exactly right. Um, do you like to divulge really heavily into the test mating? Do you love sort of researching your size and all that sort of thing, or do you just sort of, you know, go through the basics of matching up the, the you know, the, the bloodlines and what potentially might work? Uh, I leave that to uh, David Brash, actually. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know nothing about it. Uh, I mean, I look at the lines and you look at, you know, um, the bitch's lines and, you know, if, they're, if they were successful and, you know, their mum was successful and the grandmother was successful, you think, oh, why not have a have a go with her as a broody? But in terms of who to mate with and, and um, what straw to grab, uh, that's a uh, David Brash thing for me. So I annoy him a couple of times in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, he, and there's no, uh, there's no one better in the game than him. And so far he's been right with uh, with one of mine. So he's one out of one, which is 100%. So <laughs> Yep, can't get much better than that, eh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any, um, you know, whether this is for your pups or, or like I said before, when you're scouting for current, you know, race dogs, um, is there any particular size that, you know, you, you like sort of more than others or that you, you know, prefer to, um, yeah, to breed with or, or to buy race dogs from? Um, not really. I mean, I like you see them go around, they become stud dogs and you think, oh, he was an awesome 
he was an awesome dog, you know, in his day. So you kind of get that. Oh yeah, I'll definitely get a get a couple straws from him. And uh, Aussie infrared would be one, um, which I've got a couple straws for my potential broodies. Um, I, I did like the way he went about things, and his pups are going super everywhere. And um, Feral Frankie's definitely another one um, that falls into that same category. So. I've got a couple uh, straws of, of him as well. So hopefully, uh, you know, they're uh, half as good as what their dad was, you'd say. <laughs> yep, yep, no, absolutely. And, you know, like I know obviously we've we've touched on um, touched on sort of, you know, how you go about things, whether it's pups or races, but, you know, is there one or two key things that, you know, you can sort of provide to, to anyone out there? Because, you know, I... I I can imagine, you know, you would obviously get some messages, but I just get message after message every day from people going, how can I get into the sport? Or do you know a trainer that, you know, will take my dog? And, you know, I feel really bad because I don't have an, an answer for them. But, you know, from your experience, obviously, when you first got into the industry, is there something that sort of helped you to get to where you are today? Or like you said before, just establishing those key relationships, you know, with the right people? Well, I, I started off, um, just as shareholders in the Punters HQ Syndicate um, yeah. with Joel and Craig. Um, I mean, there's no one better in the game than syndicating dogs than, than those guys. And, yeah. you know, I was in quite a number of those dogs. And, you know, just listening to Joe's audios and feedback and, and the trainers, like you just pick up all these little things that, you know, you can take on board for yourself. And, and when it was time to, you know, kind of, go out onto your own with your, your group of mates, you kind of just mirror, you know, what what they used to, you know, talk about and and share. And, um, you know, along with building those relationships with those trainers, like I think that's a recipe for, for success. And so far, I mean, it's been a good journey. So I'll just I'll, I'll look to keep probably doing those things. Yep. I just brought some data share in in a dog with punters HQ and, and Andy Lord. And honestly, I think everybody in Singleton knows now he's got a share in a, in a dog being trained by Andy. He just thinks he's, <laughs> just thinks he's the ant's pants. <laughs> but you're right. Joe's audio is very good. And, and I usually say that to people. I say, look, if you can get in with a syndicate, especially if you're brand new to the industry and, you know, other than the occasional or, you know, frequent punter don't really know much else. I said, you can pick their brain then. And I said, maybe even, you know, when you meet up with the trainer of the dog, pick their brain too and, you know, get yep. your handler's license and start catching it and all the rest of it. And I said, you can just go from there. I said, because we all started in that position at, at some point. Definitely. And um, I like, there was a couple, like, say, John Dart, he's got a couple that he trains for me. And um, I didn't know him from a bar of soap, didn't know anyone that, that knew him, but heard fantastic things about him. And I literally just went on Messenger and just said, hey, mate, um, you know, introduced myself and just said, I've got a handy breaker. Um, would you give it an opportunity at, at pre training? And it just happened that he had the kennel space and, and he was happy to give it a go. Like, you know, so it's just even those little things, you know, don't yeah. be scared to ask because at the end of the day, what are they going to say? Sorry, mate, unfortunately, kennels fall and, and yeah. you just move on. But you, you never, never know if you never, never ask yeah. kind of thing. So, and uh, another one I've got uh, training with, uh, pre training at the moment with Gemma Daly up in oh, yeah. Brisbane. Nice. Oh, oh, and I probably owe it to you, Tim, because you did a podcast with her, I reckon, a while a while back, and 
just listening to her and you know what she does with her dogs and their success i again just ventured out and um you know just um got in touch with her through uh through facebook messenger and just asked again said i've got a handy break in would you consider you know giving giving it a go and you know again they, they were more than happy to um you know accommodate so it's just so even just those little things you know you just I, I just can't you just can't be scared to ask in this game just ask questions to whoever it may be even if you go to the races and you, you know you're a first time you're looking to get into the sport just ask people like just talk about it with people like people will have the time of day they will you know answer your questions and stuff and you just you know take everything you can in and and you know that will be like the right way to success Listen, I'm going to have to start putting you on commission if um, you're getting in touch with all these trainers and stuff off me. I'm going to, I'll, um, watch email, I'll send you through an invoice after this. Yeah, send me through an invoice. I, I was going to say, weren't you a 10% owner on, on uh, Friday for uh, yeah. Can You Exclusive? <laughs> no, no, it's all good. And yeah, like, again, I've, um, I've mentioned it heaps of times. I said, you know, as bad as social media can be, I think it's good for the fact that, you know, a lot of people, well, myself included I'd be too scared to you know walk up to some of the top trainers at the track and you know ask them you know if they've got any spare kennels or you know if they think this dog's worth buying but with you know the beauty of social media like you said you can just flick someone a message and you know particularly if they're in another state or even another country and yeah you get a you get a response and yeah it could um it could start a really successful partnership definitely like you know and just like the wonderful job that you do like getting you know trainers and breeders onto your podcast i love listening to it weekly because again i just listen to what you know nothing like a bit of a new voice where you know you you like something you might pick up on something that someone does and 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 you think hey that might suit you you know whether it be a trainer or whether it be a breeder or, or something like that where you might want to buy a dog or you know you might want to use that trainer because you seem like they seem to be doing all the right things and yeah so like just your podcast alone Dim, they help immensely for me <laughs> does dad make any sense at all with what he says because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes i i just go what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> hey, he seems pretty smart at times <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, sometimes I'll say to him, listen, Dad, you need to watch this replay and this replay. Yep, yep, no worries. And I'll get him on and I'll go, Dad, that was a good run, wasn't it? You know, good win. Yep, good win. Went good, showed good pace. And then five minutes later, I'll go, now this, yep, good win, showed good pace. Yep, got to line well. It's like he's just got the same answer wrote down. <laughs> he's got a page. Yeah. Has he got a page in front of him with all the answers? <laughs> oh dear but anyway he i tell you what he's you know the number of messages i get from people going oh i love your dad when he talks about the old days and stuff and i try and just drip feed that to him because he just thinks he's the most famous person in singleton now that you know all these people listen to him and and that sort of thing but yeah he loves getting on there so anyway <laughs> oh he might have a bit of success now that he's got his, his share with a dog with andy so oh, yeah. mate and he doesn't know what's coming to him when he sees you at the track, honestly. I said, <laughs> I'm thinking, Andy, you're in trouble, mate. As soon as Dad sees you, he just make a beeline for you and that'll be it. <laughs> you're back in the 
better watch out. He'd want to start handling it. Oh, 100%. Honestly, he'll, um, he'll text me now and go, oh, did you see how good that dog of Andy Yes, Dad. Like, Andy's his, his, his favourite trainer now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Victor Damien's his favourite dog. Oh, mate! I tell you what, like I'm I'm the only child. Um, but you know, if Dad could have a son, Victor Damien would be his son for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that dog like no end. Mum said to me, she goes, "What's wrong with your father?" And I said, "Why?" She goes, "I don't know. Some dog got beat." She said, "He's nearly in there in tears." She said, "He's moping around and all sad." And I said, "Yeah, Victor Damien come third. She goes, "Oh my God! It's like he's lost a child or something." <laughs> he, you know, people think I'm bad. I'm like, listen, Dad's so much worse than me. So I think people need to understand that. Like he's. You know, yeah, I get a little bit from him, but he's far worse than me. But anyway, at least, um, at least we can give people a, good, a bit of a laugh out of it anyway. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Greyhound Girl podcast and for your ongoing support of not only this podcast, but of Greyhound Racing in general. Remember, you can follow Dimity at the Greyhound Girl on Facebook.